This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. TL Talk Radio, Season 3, Episode 8. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funihatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funihatton. Hello and good morning. Today we're talking with Dr. Linnell Powell, Professional Learning Specialist at Virginia Beach City Public Schools and author of DrJoyBlog.com. Dr. Powell is currently working to support her school division to make personalized learning a reality for Virginia Beach City public school learners. Linnell has expressed her passion for joy and is driven by the question, how can schools be places of joy? Welcome to the show, Linnell. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and talk to you about personalized learning in Virginia Beach, as well as the topic of joy. And we're very excited to have you here as well. We connected uh, probably about a month ago, you had reached out because you, I believe, went to high school in Allentown, which is where we're located. Uh, so it was fun connecting with you then, and uh, we wanted to have you back and share a little bit more about the work that you're doing in your school district. So to start off our conversation today, talk to us a little bit about personalized learning. And th- this it's a phrase that's out there a lot, and a lot of people have different shades of interpretation of it. So what's your understanding of personalized learning? How does it look in your school district? Well, personalized learning, from my understanding, what I believe personalized learning is, is sounds simple, but it's students doing the work of learning. It's students taking ownership and driving their learning experiences. And like I said, that sounds simple in general, but it really requires a shift in how we perceive the role of the learner. I'll tell you that from my personal experience, when I first started diving into personalized learning, I was observing classrooms all around Virginia Beach. And it was just exciting seeing such wonderful, great teachers. I'm from an elementary background. So to get an opportunity to go observe high school teachers and uh, middle school teachers was just like a treat. 
and I would go back to the office and talk to them about binomials and the kidney <laughs> and you know things that I was not exposed to as an elementary teacher. And one day, um, one of my colleagues said, "Well, who are you focused on? Are you focused on the teachers? Or are you focused on the students?" And so I really had to shift my thinking in the fact that personalized learning is about putting students at the center of learning. And I came across a jewel of an article by Jim Rickabaugh called Five Shifts to a, um, Learner Roles in a Personalized Learning Environment. And in that article, it really captures the essence of what a personalized learning environment looks like and that shift involved in personalized learning. And what it really is, is teachers constantly building their student capacity to co-create their learning experience. I love the way that you frame that because it's very much in line um, with some of the thinking and the work that we've been doing uh, here on the podcast, uh, as well as a new podcast that we've been starting. And we've been influenced a lot by Education Reimagined, this whole mm -hmm. idea of shifting the paradigm from school-centered to learner-centered. And uh, that what you're describing as personalized learning just really fits in well um, with the way that we've been thinking about this idea of personalized learning too. So we're, we're excited to get into some of the details of some of the things that you're doing there in your school mm -hmm. district. And I'm, I'm especially interested in that article. So maybe we can link that for our listeners, um, what those five shifts are that you shared as sort of a springboard for your thinking. So, you know, as Randy talked about, this is a paradigm shift. And how have you been working to build capacity with those teachers who are asking you, you know, what are you looking at, the teachers and the students, uh, to create a culture of personalized learning and to start to have those conversations? Well, my experience has been really unique. I feel like I've had, had this dual opportunity um, to allow teachers to have an opportunity to really lead the work of personalized learning. So over the past two years, I've had the opportunity, a unique opportunity, to work with a group of teacher leaders called Design Fellows. And they were charged and empowered with shaping our division's understanding of what personalized learning looks like in the classroom. So we really tapped into the knowledge and expertise of teachers, a bottom-up approach. And so when you ask how do you build capacity, it's really by tapping into the knowledge and expertise and really allowing teachers to lead their learning. And so they were given basically a working definition that included just a, in simple terms, the why, the what, and the how of personalized learning. And then their role was to exemplify what it could look like in various classrooms across the division. And we were really guided by three questions. What does personalized learning look like in the classroom? How can I show others what personalized learning is? And what do other teachers need to know and do successfully implement personalized learning? So when you look at this opportunity, it wasn't only a learning opportunity, it was a leading opportunity. They were having the opportunity to hone their craft as teachers and shift their classroom, but they were also shaping an entire division's understanding of what that personalized learning looks like. So when you ask, how do you build capacity? It's really by allowing teachers to take charge of their learning and tapping into their knowledge and expertise. So that that's amazing. Like your your curiosity and your enthusiasm is so exciting. And it's really would be easy to see how teachers with whom you're working can get excited about this and you know start to build your own own knowledge and understanding based on those three questions that you asked. So thanks for sharing that as a, a way for others to get started with a, a group of teachers with which you're referring to as design fellows. Yes, because we use a design thinking process. 
know, mm -hmm. when you think of the mindset involved in personalized learning, design thinking, design thinking really fit, you know, the, the um, mode to really tackle this, this issue. I love that you're making that connection too, because with all the other people that we've been chatting with recently about personalized learning and learner-centered environments, this theme of design thinking and starting with the user and getting to understand what their needs are has really come out. So you reinforcing that's really very powerful. Earlier, you mentioned that uh, article from Jim Rickabaugh about that sort of inspired you into into shifting the way that you think about this. So kind of going back to your work with teachers, what kinds of resources are you using with your teachers to help them make this shift? Well, you know, there are so many resource out, resources out there, so many books and just literature on personalized learning. I like some of the really um, powerhouses on the topic, like Barbara Bray and Alison Zamuda. They definitely have great resources. But I also like for teachers to really explore books that may not say personalized learning on the title, but books that talk about strategies and structures that maximize student learning. So maybe it's books on goal setting or reflection or students creating their own pathways to learning. So there's so many articles and resources, student collaboration. So I really encourage teachers to think about some of their areas of interest, reflect on their classroom, and think about where they can maximize student learning. Consider what their entry point is. Where would they want to begin? And look for resources that align with that. that. And they don't necessarily have to say the word personalized learning on it. Because if you look at today and what we see, everything's just about labeled personalized learning. <laughs> and so how do you separate like all of the noise? So I think it's important, most important not to just um, introduce teachers to resources, but give them a critical view and a lens so that they can separate sort of that signal from the noise and allow teachers to reflect on certain questions when they're looking at a um, personalized learning situation. And think about what are the students doing? Are they doing the work of personalized learning? Is the work something that is being done to them or for them? Or is the work being done by students? Is it being done with students? So when they're checking out any type of article or resource, have a lens to look through um, to ensure that that work is really an opportunity for students to maximize their learning experience. So having having the students doing that heavy lifting, as we yes. like to say sometimes. Yeah. Yes. So creating this um, environment where students are are the ones who are um, really maximizing their learning and are really engaged in this way that you're describing. You know what's the what's the role of leadership in transforming those learning environments and um, empowering the teachers and building capacity and leveraging everybody's ideas and common understandings. Well, I would, when I think of the role of le leadership, I think of three words. I think of positioning, balancing, and reinforcing. Any type of um, change that's occurring, I think you have to have the right people in the right position. It can never be a one man show. And so, and you have to tap into the potential of, of who you have available and continue to encourage in, in those positions and affirm and push and challenge ideas. And so it's really about having the people in the right positions to move the work forward. And sometimes you're leading and sometimes you're following and there's flexibility within that. So that's key. Um, when I say balancing, it's important to, I think, have intentional forethought. 
So you're balancing that urgency with patience, knowing that throughout this process, there's going to be some fumbling. You need flexibility. You're going to feel like sometimes you're taking eight steps forward and 10 steps backwards. So it's really balancing that patience with urgency, but knowing that there's a goal in mind and always working toward that goal. And lastly, I would say reinforcing would be the last word. And I think about reinforcing those mindsets of a design thinker, including learning from failure, empathy, embracing ambiguity. In my opinion, the number one mindset is optimism. You have to stay positive. Easier said than done sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that's going on and we mm -hmm. live in a system of rigorous standards and so balancing that. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting word, this idea of, of balancing the patience and the urgency. I think one of the things that's uh, interesting about the way that you approach working with your teachers is you see them as learners too. And yeah. you're modeling for them, the way that you're interacting with them and caring about them, you're modeling the kinds of things that, that they could be doing and should be doing in their classroom with their students around this idea of personalized learning. I think that's really powerful too. Yes, it was very difficult in the beginning because they wanted a model of personalized learning. When we started this work, they wanted the model. They wanted to have it laid out for them. And it was like, surprise, you are the model. We're creating this together. <laughs> and so that was something that um, was a shift in how my feedback was more supportive and not necessarily directed. So let's pick up on that idea of the teachers. They wanted a model. There was something that they wanted and you weren't necessarily going to, to give them that. So mm -hmm. that's, one could perceive that as a barrier. So along this process and, and your work uh, with teachers and in the classroom, what are some of the other barriers that have come up along the way and how have you uh, overcome those or helped the teachers overcome those? I think the greatest barrier is that teachers are trying to balance, you know, the work, just balance everything. And I think when they think about personalized learning, they think that they're going to have to turn their whole classroom upside down. Every student is going to be doing something different and it's going to just involve more work on their part. So allowing teachers to choose one thing, one entry point where they wanted to begin not reinventing the wheel, thinking of what's something that you want to focus on and continuously building on that throughout the year, I think supports them in moving forward in their work not making them feel like they have to change everything and that it's another thing, but it's just a part of their classroom. Yeah, so, you know, that shift of um, one more thing, one more thing, instead of the evolution to, from, as Randy talked earlier, we're working um, to, to really think about what it means to be, to shift from student-centered to learner-centered. Mm -hmm. So it's not one more thing, it's looking at things differently. Yeah. So, and we've asked, we've had that question a lot along the way, looking for a model, like what's the model and, and you're right, we're building it together. So they're so much more invested in that and they don't, mm -hmm. you know, they realize that they own it. They mm -hmm. own it when they're part of it. And going back to your previous comment, it will, it takes patience. Yeah. <laughs> and probably a lot of mistakes along the way. Yes. So tell us about your joy blog. So about two years ago, I started, I want, I love writing. And so I remember it was over Christmas vacation and I said, I'm going to start writing. And 
was thinking of an, I was thinking of a name for my blog. And when I was growing up, my dad always called me Joy, and I'm very close with my dad. And so I said, well, you know, why don't I call it Dr. Joy? Because even though I despised that name growing up, I realized that it really empowered me my entire life. And I think joy is such a part of what students need in a learning environment. And we think of joy as, oh, you know, games and playing, but no, it's just, it's, it's very integral to the learning environment. And so um, it's important to me that students have places where they come to school and that they're happy and that learning is, is happy and that they enjoy learning and that they enjoy being in school and that in teachers in, um, have opportunities to enjoy growing. Yes, we certainly all are willing to work hard. And when we enjoy it along the way, it makes it even more rewarding and um, something we want to share with others. I love the story you shared about your dad, too. Like, that's very special. Yes, thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure to uh, hear you talk about and give us a glimpse into your work with personalized learning. Talk a little bit about your joy project and your passion about bringing joy to the lives of uh, the teachers you work with and the children that they work with as well. So let's finish with one more question. What is next for Linnell? What are you working on? What are you passionate about beyond what we chatted about today? Well, I want to continue with my writing and really focus on my blog this year. You know, just really focus on being consistent with my writing, offering a variety of resources to teachers and schools, um, sort of like working at the edge. <laughs> I love your website. <laughs> I love how you have a bot podcast. Maybe that's something I look forward to in the future, but I'm constantly reading. I'm currently reading um, cultures, creating cultures of thinking. Ah. And so I'm currently reading that by Ron Richard. And yes. so on my blog, I'd like to write about that book and just get teachers engaged in as I go through this book. And so I want to be more consistent with doing book talks and maybe even adding a podcast to my blog, but have a place where teachers can come and get resources and just learn together. Excellent. Very exciting. Well, um, we'll look forward to checking in on your blog. Thank you so much for joining us, Linnell. And uh, we're going to link a lot of resources for our listeners in um, our podcast show notes. Some of the resources you mentioned and maybe some other resources that you would like to share that will help all of us on this journey um, understanding personalization. You can also follow the work of the Design Fellows by checking out the hashtag, hashtag VBPLearn. And also the website will be linked there on the show notes, vbplearn.weebly.com. Each episode, we leave you with a couple of questions to think about with the idea of provoking some conversation. This episode's questions, how has today's conversation shaped how you conceptualize personalized learning? And what is the next step in moving your learning environments towards personalization? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just find out more about the resources shared Check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 3, Episode 8. That's it for now. We'll see you next episode for a conversation with another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Linnell. Thanks, Linnell. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.